Hey everyone, uh, welcome to another installment of the Evolution Exchange po podcast for the Nordics, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful technical leaders in the Nordic region. My name is Chris Bennett and me and my team help connect businesses with freelance tech talent. Today is a very special episode as I'm currently recording this live from the True Caller uh, office in Stockholm and we're discussing what it's like to work with 300 million users in tech at True Caller. I've had the pleasure of being shown around the awesome office and we're currently in their cinema room. As with all our podcasts, we've invited people on to discuss their passion and with me now are three awesome people. So let's get some introductions done. Uh, we'll work our, our way around the room. Milena. So, hi, my name is Milena. I have been working for TrueCaller for almost full three years. Mm -hmm. um, I have moved to Sweden four years ago from uh, North Macedonia. Mm -hmm. uh, so, technically, I have been working as a QA for the last eight years, I believe, already. Right. Um, my career didn't start as a tester. I started as an uh, IT audit. Mm -hmm. And as a support analyst, but uh, testing was always my passion, so I gradually moved towards testing. Mm -hmm. uh, between other stuff, I, I love uh, music, I play violin in free time. So, yeah, that's... It's a great start. Linny, can you follow that up? Yeah. Are definitely. we going with Linny or Linica? Linny, call me Linny. Linny. Yeah, that <laughs> works. <laughs> Give us your introduction. All right, so, hi, I'm Linico. I... Uh, I've been working for TrueCaller for about 4.5 years, I guess. Um, it's been a great journey, mm -hmm. primarily. And uh, I started off my career uh, as a data intern, actually, uh, four or five years back. And I worked myself, uh, I worked my way up to the lead of the data discipline currently in the search team. Uh, I like to play the guitar uh, from India. And uh, yeah, I like to sing as well. Not your bathroom singer types. No. <laughs> Full-on singer. Yeah. Is it too early on the, in the podcast to ask you to sing? Yeah, it's too early. <laughs> yeah, Maybe yeah. a bit later. By the way, Walter, if you can't do an instrument or sing, the band is screwed already. <laughs> I think I'll just have to settle for managing the band then. <laughs> Perfect. And, and on that note, Walter, give us your introduction, please. Uh, yeah, my name is Valtteri. I work as a backend engineer. I'm a, I'm a, a staff, um, staff backend engineer here at TrueColor been here for about six and a half years moved here from finland uh to work for true color in the beginning of 2016. Uh, i used to work at a company called rovio the, the the home of angry birds where i had a similar job but mm -hmm. uh was really excited when i learned about true color and they offered me a job and uh, i hopped on the boat and came over to stockholm mm -hmm. okay perfect some fantastic introductions there so today uh what are we talking about so what is it like working with 300 million, I stress that, users in tech at TrueCaller? So first question, what's it like working for TrueCaller? Milena, do you want to take it away? Um, I would say that I, at the beginning, I wasn't expecting this. So it was quite surprising uh, in a nice way experience because uh, TrueCaller is, uh, is not an app which was commonly used in, in my country back uh, back then but uh and of course that was because we didn't have the need to use something like that but um, the first time when i heard about true color it was quite intriguing so when i joined and i learned the scale and of the true color app and uh, 
the benefit which it brings to the user, mm. it was um, quite refreshing to be able to take part of True Colors journey and growth in the last three years, I would say. Mm -hmm. So every day is a challenge. Every day is, uh, is, is an exciting day by itself. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's, it's a quite refreshing experience, I would say. Perfect. For somebody who strives for excellence yeah. and benefit to others. Well, it sounds like you've not regretted it, which is a very good thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, Lenny? Yeah, so for me, <clears throat> being able to provide uh, your products and features out to 300 million users, knowing that you may change someone's life, uh, life every day, or you might protect someone from a case of spam or uh, impersonation. I think... Uh, I'm passionate about what I do, especially working for a company that brings about a change, so many parameters, mm -hmm. um, in terms of women's safety, saving people's money out of their pocket. I think it's a, it pushes me every day, right? So I come to work, I don't come to work and think about, hey, I need to work on this piece of code today. No, I come to work and think about how I'm going to change someone's life mm -hmm. tomorrow, right? I think that's the important part about uh, what we do here at TrueColor. And having that presence amongst 300 million users, uh, uh, like I said, gives us the ability to move the needle. And uh, we've grown rapidly. We've brought a lot to the table in terms of our intelligence. So yeah, it's been a very exciting journey and fulfilling journey, I would say. That's really interesting, Lenny, that you actually, it's not just stopping spam. Yeah. It's the stuff after that. Yeah. Yeah. So like women's safety. Tell us more about that. Yeah, so we um, now, <clears throat> women do get harassed a lot uh, in various countries, right? mm -hmm. depending upon which country you're talking about. And these are issues that keep bubbling up, but there are very few apps that actually protect them from this. And with our caller identification service, our contextual information that we provide about a phone number, someone can be assured that this is the person we're talking to. Tomorrow, any sort of illicit texts are sent as a way to trail back to this person or if someone's bothering you or stalking you, there's always a way to trail back to this person. So it also gives um, people um, uh, uh, some parameter of safety that mm -hmm. they can hold on to, especially with our Guardians app. You can uh, always be protected on the go as well. So uh, that's our prime goal, especially in what we also consider as important to our whole product. It's really interesting that. Um, Valter, what's, like, what's it like for you? I mean, God, I agree 100% with what uh, Milena and uh, and Lini talked about, uh, about what we do and why that's important. But but to me, it's also important, like, how we do it. I think that's also um, exciting. Like, the fact that we ship a new version um, every week that eventually goes out to hundreds of millions of people. We have, you know, um, a, a lot of engineers coming together um, to build something um, to make sure it's of the highest quality, it's going to work for a lot of people, a lot of different phones and a lot of different markets. Um, but but still, that we're not a huge company. So, you know, even individuals get to have a pretty big, uh, big impact mm -hmm. um, just, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis. I think those are also things that make it exciting mm -hmm. um, uh, to work here on top of the, of the, of the mission that Linny spoke so well about. What do you believe True Color stands for? Lenny? Yeah, so... <clears throat> I believe the primary goal, especially for us, is uh, to protect our users from unsolicited and unwanted communication. Mm -hmm. And um, we also uh, keep privacy in mind mm -hmm. on every aspect. Uh, uh, we do wonder what our users think about us. And before they, e before they could even think about 
us uh, doing something with their data, we make sure that we're always privacy driven in the first stage. So we never reach that stage, right? Okay. So um, I think uh, that's our drive. That's our motive uh, to help users to save their money at the same mm-hmm. time. Most of our app is in uh, a freemium fashion, a premium uh, kind of model. So everyone gets the opportunity to use it, whether you're rich, poor, whether you're middle class. So it gives an opportunity to everyone uh, at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's what we want to do. Make um, uh, make this available to everyone so that they can be protected in this kind of communication. Yeah. Can Could you maybe say a few more words about how we take privacy into account in the kind of data side of things? Yeah, there are so many things. For example, um, when we try to uh, find out names for your phone numbers, we pick it up out of uh, user-generated content, which comes to suggestions, etc. So when a user suggests something, that's when we pick up those uh, names from these users, especially through spam reports. It's all it's all driven by the community. So whenever a user blocks a number, or unblocks a number, or provides some kind of suggestion, um, we do we could probably take a lot of other data that other apps do, but we don't like to do that. That's mm-hmm. not our goal. That's not our objective, right? Mm-hmm. So we try to keep it on the down low and uh, try to keep our box closed, but at the same time grow within that box and see what we can do with what we have on mm-hmm. the table. Yeah. And I just want to add to what Lini said. So it's not just saving the time of the user, but as well as their mental and physical health because um, in a lot of countries, a lot of people get harassed. Mm. So that's creates uh, a lot of frustration for the users. So when we try to provide with them, and as Lini said, most of our features are free because we want to contribute to the community for better uh, health mm-hmm. uh, in general. Uh, this is what our uh, main drive is. So that's why we take a, a huge uh, aspect, even in the testing part of how we treat the data. Uh, from the users and towards the users, of course, because uh, today we live in a world where everybody is obsessed about how data has been processed, which data a company takes from me and what is giving me in return. And we are very, very aware of the not just the legal requirements of specific regions, but as well of what will benefit towards the users both ways. So we are never taking anything extra than what we need and the user has provided to us and of course backwards we try to provide the correct data towards the user so uh, i think that that's our hugest drive in general it's really interesting speaking to you i'm so glad we're having this conversation because some people when they hear true caller they're stopping sales calls or spam yet you've already what were seven eight minutes into discussion and there's so much more yeah yeah um Baltu, can what do you believe True Caller stands for? Have you got any further thoughts on that? I mean, I think most important stuff has been covered there. I think like the trust that uh, people show us and show the app is uh, really something we're proud of. Mm-hmm. And of course, that also comes into the communication features that we have. We have you know instant messenger in the app. We have some other communication features. Um, and I think people use those because they trust us because of the things that Linnea and Milena talked about. So um, I think it allows us to, um, you know, grow and, and you know, be uh, something on people's phones that they feel that they can trust and they feel is uh, um, there for them. Yeah. 
adding value. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and on, on that point, yeah, what what um, you mentioned before that it's not just what the company stands for; it's how you do it, mm. and how is obviously there's a lot of people involved in that. So, Val, what what type of people work at, at TrueCall? What type of people? Well, yeah. um, I would say the, the the people at TrueColor are very driven. I mean, the fact that we're able to to uh, pull this type of app off with only a few hundred people um, is very impressive, and it's only possible because we hire um, people who not only are good at their work in a in a technical sense or in product management or design or whatever it may be but i think we also have a great great culture in the company mm-hmm. um we have a culture of um of helping each other um of collaboration of um you know really shipping things that it's um code inherently does not want to be shipped it is a, <laughs> it's a very tricky thing to get it out the door but uh, we managed to do it, you know, week to week and month to month, and uh, that's uh, we've 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 set up a company and people and processes that uh, enable us to do it um, in a really impressive way. Lenny, yeah. What type of people is there anything to add on that? There must so, be yeah. some characters around here. I mean, of course, <laughs> talking to them <laughs> before this podcast, Lenny. You were like. Very, very funny, and you come in here so professional. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's so relaxed, and then yeah. I'm like, where's Lenny? There he is. <laughs> so, so, yeah, you do get, um, in addition to what Walter said, I think it was bang on, but you do get a lot of people that wear multiple hats. So, um, mm-hmm. you had true column. There are some that are um, joking around the office all day, lightening up the environment, uh, and bringing about a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you like Walter, you said, all of us are quite talented at what we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not one person that specific, specifically knows what he's doing in his role, but also knows other parts of the business and the product. Most of us uh, know deeply about our features and what we're trying to do in our environment. Uh, it's just not about waking up in the morning, like I said, finishing our piece of code and pushing it. But there's a lot more to it, right? Mm-hmm. How can you add a little more functionality to this? How can you add your little sugar or your magic to your code? <laughs> I think it's it's quite important. Uh, and it keeps us driven at the same time. So I would say it's quite diverse. Uh, you get some serious people, you get some happy people. Mm. But uh, I love the diversity. It's mm. nice that you don't have this uh, one-size-fits-all uh, uh, culture. But uh, I think there are different kinds of sizes and we've learned to work together in unison, which is great. Perfect. Yeah. Besides what Valtteri and Lini have said, the thing is that what I really love about TrueColor is the strive from improvement. Mm-hmm. So we are not just specialized in our field. So I just I, it's not my job just to care about the testing and then I go home and I don't care anything else. So we all collaborate in a very deep level, I would say. Mm-hmm. So. It's not that just the product decides on what we are going to do. We all decide together when we contribute to improve each idea, to, to iterate, to learn from our users and to even our users are a great input for our features. So this collaboration, which is happening between a few hundred people and three billion users, <laughs> it's a, quite an impressive uh, thing to see because that is how you really solve the user's problem. 
it's not that we think that we are going to solve something on ourselves, but we listen to our users mm -hmm. and we try to iterate on those ideas. So me being just a tester, it's not just a tester. Yeah, it's I'm a real contribution to what we deliver at the end towards the users. It's fascinating listening to 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 all three of you about. You sound very connected to the end user. Do you know what I mean you're trying to keep that as close as possible? That yeah. feedback loop. Um, one of the reasons you all asked on, obviously, because you're incredible, funny people. But apart from that, you're all in different roles. So could you give our listeners, just remind them of the role you do and how does 300 million users, how does that affect your role in particular? So we'll start with you, Valter. Yeah, I mean, I'm a backend, <clears throat> backend developer, but work with lots of different types of engineers, um, client engineers, um, data engineers, data analysts, and so forth. But when it comes to, let's talk about the backend specifically, mm -hmm. right? Um, scale is everything there. So we have 300 million daily active users. We have a lot of uh, different features in the app, which require lots of communication with the backend. That's just going to mean that we're going to have a lot of throughput, a lot of um, communication happening all the time. Um, on top of that, our app, app needs to be up 100% of the time. There, We can't uh, do maintenance downtimes. We can't have, <laughs> oh, it just didn't work that weekend. Those are just unacceptable things, right? Um, so what does that mean? Well, it means uh, we need to really focus on um, the choice of technology um, that we make. We, we need to really focus on how we implement uh, our code, how we implement our API so that they're of the highest uh, of the highest quality and we can make sure that they work correctly um, always, that they're maintainable. We need to be able to track and monitor how everything, uh, everything works. Um, uh, but just just to jump in there, so two things you mentioned there: the choice of language, choice of tech. Mm. Give us an insight into what you've chosen. So uh, our stack mainly runs on top of the JVM, yeah. so um, <coughs> Scala and Java. These are battle technic battle tested yeah. technologies we've used for many years. Mm -hmm. uh, they allow us to um, build the kind of scalable systems that I was talking about. They both exist within a within a great ecosystem that allows us to bring in. Um, libraries or technologies that uh, basically can fulfill our every need and they can do that while being you know open sourced um, while being free mm -hmm. uh, which is another important part of our our ethos uh, ethos here and, and and how and how do you maintain a culture of quality yes. that's a big question <laughs> <laughs> if I knew that would I be sitting here uh, no so um, <laughs> Uh, it, it's a it's a great question. I think it, it it comes down. We talked about hiring. We talked about the people here. Mm -hmm. That's that's always going to be key, right? You need to um, find people who understand what quality is, mm -hmm. who are uh, want to take responsibility and want to uh, want to um, be uh, be part of a team that delivers quality and want to you know show up every day to 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 produce quality and then there's lots of things you can do on the on the process side in terms of teaching people in terms of code reviews in terms of mentoring you can do a lot of things to um you know uh really really yeah, um support yeah support people and yeah. help teams grow but it has to start with hiring it has to start with having people who have the right attitude mm. okay um and chris can i Okay, this way. Yeah, oh, good. Now I'll go. Right, okay, that's the. Okay.
camera guy. Cheers. Yeah. <laughs> I hope you leave this in. <laughs> um, okay, uh, Lenny, um, tell us your role and why 300 million users, how does it affect it? Yeah, so <clears throat> I'm a data scientist and uh, I've been in the field for quite some time. But as you know, um, data is the new gold, right? Uh, there's so much you can sift through. Uh, there could be so much noise that you need to find the gems that uh, that lay in uh, this rubbish, right? Mm -hmm. That's the primary aspect of it. Especially while you deal with 300 million users, you need to build things for scale, knowing that you've grown so fast that you may even become 600 million in the next few years. So you need to build for the future, right? Mm -hmm. You need to build for scalability. Now, um, machine learning models as well, uh, the more accurate they are, I mean, it's a better user experience that uh, you can provide, right? Um, especially when we detect spammers and provide the right names, etc. We want to be accurate with it. So we're constantly improving things on a day-to-day -day basis, even though we have something that beat our uh, previous model by maybe um, 20% or 30%, we still think that we can do better. Mm. So we're in a constant run to achieve more, to be better, to sift more through our data. And in the field of data science, you're, it's a very research-driven field. So you're constantly learning new things about users every day. You're learning about how your app uh, functions with these users. And um, you also understand and simulate environments uh, where uh, users may behave differently, right? In different countries, you have so many different behavioral patterns. Um, but yeah, it, the field is uh, quite interesting, especially when you're dealing with big data, right? That's a mm -hmm. hot word, especially with large companies. Yeah. Given that we have 300 million users, know that these 300 million users are talking to billions of other people, right? It's mm -hmm. all connected. Um, so also as a data scientist, <clears throat> it's fine if, you, if you're heavily oriented towards statistics or, uh, or you're coding or you're engineering. But you also need to be a salesman. You need to be able to explain what your model does to your grandmother and to a PhD scientist as well. You should have that yeah. spectrum of ability. Mm. Otherwise, you're doing something wrong, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I guess that's something that I've learned over the years. Uh, it's not about picking up your fanciest algorithm, but it's really about understanding the business context behind it, what you're trying to achieve. To make data usable, you need to understand business context. You can put a hundred sensors on an airplane, but if you don't know what they mean, what is the point, right? So Great analogy. <laughs> <laughs> can so, I jump in here, yeah. actually? So what's what do we do differently in data science from a company with, you know, one million monthly active users. Like, what's the? Are there? Are is it? Is it? Um, what we work or what tools we use or like? What's the difference to a much smaller? So I guess it's also <clears throat> what we offer, our offering, and the kind of data we receive as well. If you're talking about a one million active uh, user base for a certain uh, product. There are lack of patterns that can be unearthed. Maybe these 1 million people don't exhibit too many patterns. It's hard to isolate a certain pattern out of them because you may say, okay, I found five patterns, but two of them are outliers and they don't really mean anything because there are not other people exhibiting those same patterns. You may have a, a skew within that 1 million. But when you reach a large number, central limit theorem applies where things normalize over a larger population, right? It's like the gender balance in, on planet Earth, right? It's 50-50. Even though it's not planned by some superpower, it always hits that limit. So I think uh, uh, the more data you have, the more you can, uh, you, there's always a limit as well. Whether you have 300 million or you have a, a, a 1 billion, 
you might have the same insights right mm. but you need to have enough to get there too yeah. little is not good enough mm. yeah. so you're almost saying it's actually better if you're a data scientist it's better to have more data <laughs> absolutely true caller it's yeah but you need to know how to use it right? <laughs> yeah 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 otherwise you're 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 putting a a, a bus in someone's hand who just got their license yeah. and it's going to be hard for them to drive right how many data people have you got over at true caller uh i think we have uh, quite a few within the search team uh we currently have uh, four yeah right in other teams i think we have an average of about two to three mm-hmm. so cumulatively we may have about 15 to 20 uh data scientists and with combined data engineers about 25 okay. um but we reach that point as a company uh, divulges into data science they also have a curve when you hit data maturity and you say you're uh, a company is data mature so we're around that curve right now and uh, as that curve comes into play these are split into multiple positions like a machine learning engineer or a data scientist okay. that gets split further down the line okay so i guess that's where we are heading especially with how we're growing what does that mean data maturity can you give us a two yeah. sentence description so, so in terms of uh, data maturity when you start off uh, <clears throat> You're receiving all this data in, but there's no way to process it. There's no way to input it. Probably stored somewhere. So you hire an analyst, right? The analyst sits and says, hey, how do I use this data? What do I do with it, right? And um, so then we bring in some data engineers and they come and let's create this data warehouse. Let's make these tables. So then you can derive some insights from it. Then you simply follow like a raw, uh, bronze, silver, and gold standard level of tables where where raw would be just your normal records and gold would be something management can look at. See, I want to go in and see what this KPI looks at. So developing this end-to-end over a period of time and when it matures, when it's polished, I would say a company becomes data mature when they have the ability to deploy their own machine learning models, mm. when they have the ability to understand data points, when they can start tracking data points overnight. I think that's when I would say a company's data mature. But that growth stage and that growth phase to address scalability mm takes some time and that's just how it is yeah Milena how's um tells your role and how does it affect it so I am test engineer mm-hmm. uh, everybody's talking about quality so <laughs> this, <laughs> this is my main hat yeah <laughs> yeah so uh 300 million users it's not a small number so if you think about um other types of apps that's just as a comparison. We are not in a medical or aviation or an kind of a high health security risk uh, app where we need to cover every single possible scenario. Mm-hmm. And you have trained people who are working with your app or instruments or your application or whatever it is. We are constantly delivering our app to common people. Mm-hmm. So we need to... Uh, and these common people are everywhere around the world. So they're using their app on devices which probably half of the world hasn't even heard about. So tackling these challenges uh, is the biggest challenge, I would say, in testing, because we need to think a little bit outside the box. We shouldn't think about covering every single possible scenario, which probably will never occur. Yeah. But we need to solve the user's problem, which most of them will interact on a day-to-day basis. Mm. Uh, so that is our main challenge so we need to always anticipate the unexpected because the users are not trained they we cannot tell them you know this is how you should make a call this is how the spam will uh, come and you should 
block it and uh, this is how it will be. Mm -hmm. The users learn by using the app. Right. And uh, we try to gather feedback as much as possible and adjust towards that. Mm. So that is, I would say, the biggest and the fu interesting part of it because we interact, we, we, we come up with challenges which most of the people around the world in the testing industry will not. What's the, um, what, how, how, how is the testing team set up at TrueCaller? Is it a team? Are you embedded? Tell us about that. Uh, so we are uh, part of the BU, so as Lini mentioned, uh, Search BU, so we are a part of the Search BU, so we, uh, in the Search BU we are two uh, test engineers. Mm -hmm. uh, the structure for us is that each of the teams should be able to maintain its own features and have the most knowledge about these features, but uh, in the, as a testers we have a testing Team, I would say, uh, which is, uh, I think that's roughly ab above around 25 people. Okay. And all of us are part of BUs. So we take care most of, and we have the biggest domain knowledge of our features. But the thing is that um, these features are not standalone. So uh, this, we, as part of the search BU, we provide uh, entry points and data which other BUs are using as well, like the, the calling, the messaging BU. So uh, we interact a lot with each other. And mm. as testers, because we have the, the, the horizontal knowledge, so we know uh, how our clients think, we know how the app is behaving on the, on the devices, and we know how the backend behaves on the, on the API level, I would say. Mm. So this is the main knowledge and this is the biggest contribution that we give as well because we we have the broadest perspective that we can uh, bring to the team okay. uh, of our BU and as well among the QAs. So... Um, how how yeah. important is collaboration and knowledge sharing in the testing um, role? I would say that it's maybe one of the most important mm -hmm. aspects, I would say, because... Um, this is how, I mean, we're proud of the very good communication and collaboration, as I mentioned in the beginning. So that doesn't mean that we only improve the, the quality of the features that we do, but we are always striving to improve the product quality in general. Mm -hmm. So uh, we are not ashamed to go to somebody else and to tell, look, I'm sorry, but I see an issue with your features. And mm -hmm. everybody is very accepting and very open to, 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 to receive feedback any kind of feedback mm. so that is how we can iterate and learn because when you are always stuck with building your own stuff and or testing your stuff your stuff you're kind of becoming biased mm. so when somebody else comes from outside and gives you a fresh look on what you do mm. on uh, what you test uh, on what you have missed because when you test constantly one and single thing you kind of start to be uh, I would say the mind gets bored mm. after some time. Yeah. So getting this fresh input from the, the rest of the QA community, the rest of the teams, it's quite refreshing, I would say. Who receives feedback the best? Yeah, Milena, is it um, Valtteri or...? <laughs> Well, this is a very political question. I have to answer it very correctly. Uh, actually, I, I haven't found a person in True Color who is very difficult to receive a feedback. Yeah. On, on any level, I would say, from management 
to QA, to data scientist, developer, everybody. Uh, and probably that's, again, one of the great values and uh, characters that we strive to have in TrueColor. Yeah. We want to have this open communication inside the company because, of course, nobody's perfect, yeah. right? So yeah. uh, if I don't get, and, and we consider ourselves as, and at least for me, we are one big family. So we, sh when you're in your family, you feel confident and you know that you're protected. So every feedback is welcomed. So mm. that's why, I, for me personally, I haven't found a person in True Color who is mm. like, I don't know, bad in receiving feedback or yeah. a little bit protective. Yeah. Because the feedback is not for telling that somebody is doing a bad job. Yeah. It's about how can we improve our product? Because I'm just a, I'm just a tester, right? I yeah. don't uh, technically deliver mm. uh, a product. Yeah. I just strive to improve what backend engineers have done, what app in, uh, client engineers have done, and what the data scientists have produced as an output of their machine learning models or, 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 or data analysis. So it's this, uh, this mentality and this culture of trying to improve, mm -hmm. I think that it's one of... Uh, the core values that each of us brings in yeah. ourselves. Yeah, it seems like um, a lot of these questions that we've answered are centered around the people at True Color. Yeah, and the people at True Color. What what is everyone doing this afternoon, by the way? So today, <laughs> today we're having our annual summer party. Yeah. So uh, well, really looking forward to it. Tell uh, us about it. Tell us about it. What, what happens? What happens? Yeah, what, what happens? happens stays there. <laughs> well, I can tell you what I remember. Um, no, I mean, uh, we, we, we have a usually very relaxed summer event once a year. It's more about socializing, uh, more about, uh, you know, seeing people before people go off for uh, summer vacation. Um, uh, this year it's going to be here, right in the right in the heart of the city. We're going out on a boat, um, mm. lovely Stockholm archipelago. So uh, it's 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 always a good time. And the weather's awesome today. It's yeah. a beautiful, beautiful day. Yeah. Um, it, I suppose. Is there anything that anyone can add around? I know scalability and quality um, are very important, very important to all all, all three of you. Yeah. yeah. Is there anything to add? that we've not told uh, our listeners about kind of what you're doing and how you're doing it, or we covered most things. Yeah. Uh, Lena, you want to go first? Or? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I think, uh, especially when it comes to quality and scale, like I said, we have to prepare for the future. Mm -hmm. So a few things that we're doing at uh, TrueCaller, <clears throat> especially in data science domain, is building our own machine learning operations platform. Right? Okay. This enables uh, a data scientist or an analyst alike to uh, create a model and deploy it with a click of a button or two clicks of a button. Mm -hmm. So what we believe here at TrueCaller especially is not building things from scratch and not reinventing the wheel, but yet using a lot of open source uh, technologies that are already present out there. Now this is an art to putting it together. I mean, mm -hmm. it's a, availability is not solving your problem, but the art of putting it together and allowing it to function together is... Uh, what we're looking at and as data grows the uh, the requirement for resources to support this growth is constantly uh, needed right mm -hmm. so we're always on a run to predict what we need what we should upgrade to what kind of technologies we should be using at this point of time 
and how it can help us support the various aspirations that we have through our product managers and uh, the upper management. Yeah. But yeah, uh, it's a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wanted to basically talk about a very similar theme, which is which is learning. I mean, you talked about you know, developing and being on the the cutting edge, um, but but I think just in general, everyone needs to be learning all the time. Mm-hmm. That's just uh, that's just what needs to happen in order for us to be able uh, for us to deliver um, at this level. Um, as an engineer, I can uh, speak for what that looks like for us. Uh, it, it means we have to um, constantly be developing our understanding of the of the tools and technologies that we use. Constantly be making sure that our team is also, you know, uh, growing and that that understanding is being shared within the organization. Um, uh, that's I think something you that always has to be at the, at the at the forefront of your mind if you're not going forward then you're then you're being left behind yeah what what space do you give uh, the engineers to learn new things to give them the platform to make those decisions so we have um internal workshops we have internal um methods of of, of sharing um information and innovation but really it's these um like milena talked about earlier about the bu so business units so these are kind of um cross-functional uh, teams where where the product work um gets done and we really encourage innovation among those um we tell engineers you know if you think that uh, there's um, a technology or a process or an idea that you think can help you deliver then you know do it go try it out um uh try to make it work and if it works then you know let's share that with the whole company let's share that with the whole organization mm-hmm. uh, and see if we can you know leverage uh, the initial um investigation that, that you did on behalf of the whole company and i think um that that has really worked well and a lot of um really good uh, innovation has has come out of giving people uh, autonomy to go out and test stuff. Yeah. Um, of course, you also have to give them the responsibility over that. <laughs> yeah. like they're they're the ones who are going to be responsible, right? But but I think if you hire the right people, that will only be a thing that, that yeah. pushes them to excellence. Yeah, they're going to want that. Aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so finally, right? Uh, what challenges do you see coming up um, in what this year and next year working at True Color? And um, we'll kick it off with Lane. Yeah, sure. Um, so I, our biggest challenge, especially, is uh, now that we're looking at new markets, uh, markets that we have identified that we can probably grow in. This yeah. includes uh, Bangladesh and Indonesia, etc. Uh, I think uh, addressing their needs because every country has a different need, right? And uh, allowing us to grow there exponentially is something that's going to be the biggest challenge. Mm. A few markets that we're growing organically because we're very well known uh, people know about the app and what it provides there's some markets where people need to know more so we need to send out more communication educate them about what true caller provides besides your caller id and spam blocking there's a plethora of features that we can bring to the table right mm. so i think that's our biggest challenge uh, uh as of now uh, how we're going to tap in these markets how mm. we're going to bring about a larger penetration in these markets and address uh, a wider variety of users. Yeah. Malaya? 
I've already foreseen the 3 billion users before, so... You did say, yeah, 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 yeah. I've already foreseen the I didn't pick you up on it. I thought, you know, we'll go with it. Well, it it will happen soon, so it's just a matter of time. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But what what is the the big challenges then Uh, for you? Well, it's great uh, as we grow, but every growth brings... uh, as Lini was mentioning, it uh, a diversity of data inputs, a diversity of uh, devices mm-hmm. uh, which we will interact, and of course, uh, the diversity of how uh, our uh, opponents behave. <laughs> and by opponents, I mean spammers <laughs> and people who are actually uh, harassing uh, the people who we want to try to protect. So, uh, I guess that as the digital era grows uh that's that's where our challenges will grow besides our user base and our customers because we are facing more and more uh different types of um interactions towards our users that we want to try to protect them against because it's not just that we are learning stuff uh, our spammers are learning stuff and they tr- always try to find different ways to interact with our users so to accommodate that we need to find different ways on how we can protect so here is where the data engineers and the their machine learning models come into place this is where our backend engineer come where where they have to bring even more stability towards the service uh, but as well as even Valtteri and Lini said before our biggest uh, uh, challenge uh, that we are day-to-day facing and compensating is our strive for excellence so mm. even though we might not be in the medical industry and testing everything mm. that doesn't stop us for improving every single day to strive for better mm. uh, testing methods to in- introduce more automation so we can free our time to cover more exploratory testing to try to cover more for the quality of our users yeah so yeah it's I, I would say that it's it's learn as we go. Mm-hmm. It's probably our biggest uh, challenge, but uh, which we are anyway overcoming every single day as we go. Yeah. These spammers, eh? Yeah. Telling them to stop. Is it? Is it? Is this a never-ending battle? Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they constantly find ways to beat us. They constantly find ways to fool people. Yeah. So. We are on, like uh, Milena said, we're striving for excellence. They're also striving to spam people. <laughs> exactly. right? Yeah, there's another podcast in another world happening <laughs> yeah. about yeah. a group of spammers going exactly. with it. Absolutely. We're going to screw with our mouth. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, before I would say in, in my country, you can rarely receive maybe one call per month from somebody who is trying to sell you something. I went home... Uh, one year ago, I would say, and I got uh, five spam calls from Sweden in one day and 10 spam calls uh, on my Macedonian number, which was never the case before. Mm. And uh, I have been recommending TrueCaller app to quite a few people. And I, I got an opportunity to talk with one friend of mine who has uh, a business there. And I, I've told him I work for TrueCaller. Oh, my God, that's the best app. It has saved me so much mm. Uh, stupid calls to talk with people who are trying to sell me some stuff mm. in vain. So, um, hearing this, it's it's an excellent. And also, adding to that, um, as we have data, spammers also have <laughs> so, data. Yeah. So they know who to target. 
they yeah. know that hey i'm going to call chris and he's uh, he's probably wants to buy a house now i'm going to basically uh, fool him into spending some money on something right yeah so they always have data they know who to target they have their own segments right so if you have the propensity to spend money expect that you may receive a lot of spam calls yeah. because right. and if your number is out in the open unless you have a private number mm-hmm. right so just as we have data they have data and it's a constant battle towards the end of it and who wins and who can derive the most importance from their data yeah. Arthur on the challenges yeah <laughs> you you see the challenges i mean melena and lenny spoke you know eloquently about about our mission and 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 how that affects people um so to add a little bit slightly slightly different bent to the conversation you know as an engineer we're constantly building things and when we have this kind of growth in the company and the amount of people in the company it it creates a bit of a a bit of a balancing act um in between there's lots of pressure to build new stuff right new features um out the door it needs to be shiny it needs <laughs> to look good on powerpoints and that's great and people love working out those new features yeah but um as the app grows uh, there's more and more you know maintenance that needs to get done there's more and more bugs that need to get fixed um Ooh, filthy words all the while filthy words <laughs> it's the truth it's the truth the um, answer there yeah 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 all the greenfield. while greenfield <laughs> greenfield um right so you're balancing um building new things you're balancing maintaining what's already there also someone needs to be someone needs to have their kind of head above the fray and be thinking about okay we're going to be where are we going to be in a year mm. where are we going to be in 3 years uh, where are we going to be in 10 years yeah. um and you know all of those things need to be thought about on a d- lot of different levels and what they mean uh, for the company today so that we can be where we want to be um in the future so um when you have fast growth and you have a lot of things going on um the, i think those are some of the things that uh, we try to balance to make sure that uh, things go smoothly also the next uh, next 10 years. Walter, give us one of these. Lenny, Melena. Absolute pleasure 